Warning, this episode contains foul language, a story of real demonic possession, and extremely graphic content. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with one of our friends and we talk about something weird. This week I was joined by my lovely co-host Lauren and our return guest, Carrie Dirksen, who you first met in episode four, Diary of a Female Serial Carrie. And we took a trip to Iowa, figuratively, of course. Last week, you heard us talk about Iowa's craziest haunted locations and one of Iowa's most prolific unsolved murders. This episode should basically be called Ashley Talks for 45 Minutes because I am here today to tell you about the most thoroughly documented and massively witnessed exorcism that's taken place on U.S. soil. You're going to hear some really disturbing things in this episode. I know that you already heard the warning at the beginning, but I'm just giving you an extra heads up. Um, there's some very gross, very scary things that happen. There are disturbing sound effects added throughout. Sorry about it. And especially if you are a religious person, you are going to hear some very unsettling things. Uh, one thing I wanted to add uh, without spoiling anything i went back and researched afterwards and um the papal records do acknowledge that this exorcism did take place at the convent of the franciscan sisters um over a period of 23 days the convent is gone now but the controversy that surrounded it and the town of erling iowa still remains to this day while I have you, make sure that you check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to find ways you can donate to our show and receive mini-sodes, uh, mini-sode episodes that are basically recaps and additions to each episode that we have with Handsome Joe, your favorite East Coaster, and newsletters and merch and all that fun stuff. Stay tuned after this episode to hear a trailer for the podcast Macabre London, the podcast about the gory, spooky, and eerie history of London. This show has covered my favorite ghoul, Spring-Heeled Jack, uh, Charles Dickens, and even the Mole Men of London. Ooh, I didn't even know about that. But without further ado, please enjoy part two of our Hometown Haunts Iowa episode. And remember... To always keep it weird. This going here. Hello, hello, hello. Looks good. Everyone say hello. 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 Perfect. Hi, hello. Yes, hello. Hi, hello. Yes, Hola. hello. Hola. Hola. Como esta? Como estas? Más o menos. ¿Y tú? Um, De donde hay agua. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that the best? You even said Hola. it in the best voice. 
Hola, de donde Iowa. Before. It did sound like an old Spanish <laughs> it name. It reminded, <laughs> it reminded me of the, the scene in Hocus Pocus where they're like, Donde es biblioteca? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> So before I get started, actually, I read this. In a book that came out in 2017, it's called The Man from the Train. Bill James and Rachel McCarthy James discuss the Velisca murders Ooh. as part of a much larger series of murders, which they believe were all committed by a single serial killer. They conclude the murderer was Paul Mueller and that the crime was part of a killing spree that lasted over 10 years. Dang. Jeez. I don't know if Paul Mueller is on this list that I have open here. I don't think I remember that name. So anyways, yeah, we should investigate Paul Mueller and see what else he's done and read this book, The Man from the Train. The Very from the train. Interesting. There's lots of Not trains to be in Iowa. Confused with girl on the train. There's so many train books. A I lot of train like. books. True. Yeah, a lot of train books. <laughs> okay, um, that's very interesting. I like it. I'm into it too. I have like a tiny fingernail scrap. Okay. <laughs> so <Get it>. <laughs> <laughs> hometown haunts. Here we go. So usually when we do hometown haunts episodes, I research the state's monsters. I'm the cryptozoologist. The yeah. <laughs> I'm the crypto queen of the group. <laughs> Ooh, can um, that be your new nickname? Iowa. Yeah, I like that. Crypto, Crypto Queen. Queen. Iowa is actually really light on monsters. Which There's is a not bummer. much going I would on. Think yeah. There'd be things there. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it could be because of the terrain. There's not really a lot of places monsters can hide but the corn the cornfields well, yeah, all that corn field. there is a lot of corn you're amongst right, the hills the rolling foothills the rolling, rolling foothills hills. there's not a lot of caves caverns no that's true heavily wooded areas in iowa there's woods but there's not yeah. like there's not like bigfoot right. inhabited woods right sure fair so <laughs> there was okay so this is i there's not much to this but there were sightings of what is essentially a freaking dragon in oh. 2005 Excuse which me. is crazy but in all of I- 2005 this is wow. too recent for me uh but in all of yeah. iowa only four people reported seeing this supposedly flying okay um yeah. okay. this guy and they were separate they weren't all together so but it was only four other. people they said it moved like the chinese dragons like slithering almost and pretty much nothing came of it there were reports from like the 1800s of something that sounded like a dragon but okay. like there's not much then um, there was the the hairy woman that I read about <laughs> oh, from like yep, the eighteen hundred. And other than that, there's your typical Bigfooty type sightings, like you right. said. But there doesn't seem to be access to any actual firsthand accounts or detailed descriptions of the encounters. Not much to write home about. So I started looking into UFOs, and um, actually, statistically speaking, Iowa is a UFO hotspot. Really? Six reported and confirmed UFOs in 2017, as opposed to California's 15 sightings. Iowa has like 3 million people total, and California has like 40 million people yep. total. Yeah. So like that's that's a lot of it's confirmed crazy. UFO sightings. Right. Yeah. But despite that, it, that it's a hot spot, there also really aren't many documented firsthand accounts there either. So... Damn, they're just giving you nothing. I had nothing. Where are the monsters? (laughs) Well, so I'm not going to do monsters today. Not like not like scaled or furry monsters. Um, But I stumbled upon something pretty incredible. I actually found. (gasps) Do you need our help? Do you need our assistance? Okay. (laughs) 
So I found this. If you guys want to look at it when we're done. What is this 50-page document thing? You've it's only out. 30 Buckle in, weirdos, because this is a long (laughs) episode. I'm not reading it. Ashley's reading us this whole thing. Reading a 32-page document. So I actually found it. It's a pamphlet, and it's written by, and you can download it. There's a PDF download of this thing. Okay. Written like by well highlighted over there. Oh, yeah. I went (laughs) She's studying over there. I studied this shit. She's like a full student. I love it. So it's written by Reverend Celestine Kapsner who was a Catholic priest and an exorcist stationed in Minnesota from 1928 throughout the 60s. The pamphlet is a translation of a 1928 account of an exorcism by Father Theophilus Reisinger that was originally in German. The pamphlet was originally an article written in Germany for the Catholic Church and was translated into English and transformed into a pamphlet that made its way around the United States from parish to parish as a true firsthand account of an exorcism. Whoa. The exorcism lasted 23 full days and was performed on a woman who was 40-something years old whose real name has been redacted and it all happened in Erling, Iowa. Erling? 23 days. 23 Do you know where Erling, days. Iowa is? It sounds familiar, but I don't know. I don't either. I didn't look it up. But Erling, this Iowa. whole thing, it's the account of the priest, some of the accounts of the nuns that were involved. There was a foreword, and there's a letter from a doctor, Dr. John Dundon, who is a physician and surgeon in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Damn. It's pretty nuts. So crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So before I tell you the story of the exorcism, I have to tell you that over 40 people witnessed the events that took place and have confirmed 40 people have confirmed its validity. This was 1928. Demonic possession was not in vogue at the time. We didn't have the exorcist movies or Rosemary's Baby. Mm -hmm. Her name has always been private, meaning she wasn't seeking some sort of national attention from this. So Um, there's no motive to fake this. No, the the church and the priest that oversaw and performed the ceremony, they didn't get anything out of it. They didn't get paid to do this. Mm -hmm. They don't get fame and fortune. There really are no winners when you fake a demonic possession in Iowa in 1928. Like there's nothing. (laughs) There's nothing that can come out of this besides that it was an exorcism. Um, I also want to add that the woman was observed for literal years before the Catholic Church granted permission to perform the exorcism. Oh my God. Many doctors had this case in charge for years, and the woman was examined by the best specialists in the profession, but their thorough tests and exams resulted in the unanimous conclusion she was normal in the medical sense, psychologically and physically. She was normal. Okay. Throughout the years of observation by the Catholic Church, the reasons they were granted permission for the exorcism were the usual shit. One, she understood languages which she had never heard or read, including Latin and German. This is the 1928 Iowa. Wow. Me most the wrong way. When the priest spoke the language of the church and blessed her in the Latin tongue, not only did she understand it all, she also foamed at the mouth and became enraged. She was acutely aware of when someone sprinkled holy water on her body and not regular tap water with no way of her knowing which was which. Jeez. Oh my gosh. So those were the reasons after years of observation that the Catholic Church finally granted permission for the um, exorcism. So a little backstory on the woman herself uh, before we get into the month long exorcism yeah, that took place. So long. I'd be like, <laughs> when is this over? Is. Yeah. 
<laughs> so she's called Anna Eklund for the sake of the story. Um, she was born in the Midwest around 1882. Obviously, we can't look up exactly what year she was born because we don't even know her actual name. Right. Um, it's been protected by the church ever since. And I actually think she was from Wisconsin because that's where Father Theo is from okay. and um oh yeah guy. father theo no. yeah father theo it's like <laughs> oh, my boy theo theosophilus yeah. or something but okay. i'm gonna call him theo okay. or he's definitely father theo. t <laughs> father, father t, t. Yeah, I like that. she was raised a devout catholic um her mother was catholic she first began showing symptoms of possession at age 14 she had revulsions towards holy objects inability to enter church disturbing thoughts about unspeakable sexual acts she became fully possessed in 1908. Father Theo, who I mentioned earlier, <laughs> successfully exercised her on June 18th, 1912. And then 16 years later in 1928, when she was 40 something, they had to do it again. So wow. this time, Father Theo actually wanted to get her out of her hometown to perform the ceremony away from like her home. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went to his old friend, Joseph Steiger, who was a parish priest in Erling, Iowa, and asked him if the exorcism could take place there. And Father Steiger said, hell no, and like flipped his hair and snapped his fingers. And then Father Theo was like, please. And then like Father Steiger was like, fine. And I that's guess. literally what happened. Like, wow. oh my God, a fine. Word for word, Just do yeah, it. the conversation. That's, that's a great convo. So he agreed to allowing the exorcism to take place in the nearby convent of the Franciscan Sisters. Anna arrived um, on August 17th, 1928, and trouble started immediately. Uh, first of all, Father Theo had arranged to take the train and be picked up by Father Joseph. And Father Joseph had major car troubles going to pick him up, despite his car being brand new and in tip-top shape. He had, like, pedal to the metal and was going, like, 10 miles an hour all the way to the train station. Oh, my he God. He could not get his gar- get car, car to, like, creepy. drive. It sounds like what the Warrens went through. Exactly. The Warrens actually talk about this case in The Demonologist very briefly, but they talk oh, about it. Oh, do they? A little bit, Interesting. yeah. It's not even like part of the even stories. They just reference this exorcism. Okay. They don't say her name or anything. They just say an exorcism that took place in Iowa in 1928. Gotcha. So, of course, he had never... Joseph, Father Joseph, who was allowing him to use his parish, had never performed an exorcism before but theo had so when he got there and was late he he was like profusely apologizing trying to tell him it was his car and father theo was just laughing and was like i'm surprised you even made it here yeah and he was like uh don't be surprised if this isn't the first thing to go wrong while we do this which is fucking ominous (laughs) oh my gosh what is about (laughs) excuse me you're using my home right So also before the ceremony really began, some of the nuns, so they tried to keep this like as quiet as possible. They let like six nuns know, two priests, one of them being Father Joseph and Father Theo. And the only other people that knew that this was happening were the two men that were in charge of the like the two conductors of the train that brought Anna. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted them to understand what was happening in case something went wrong on the train. Yeah. Oh. Those were the only people that knew about this. So it like was kept very secret. Town, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Early the Iowa, whole there were eight people there and seven <laughs> yeah. of them knew about this. So 
some of the nuns who knew what was going on attempted to secretly sprinkle holy water on Anna's food. This was before the exorcism even began. And she was just like staying in a room. And uh, when it was presented to her, Anna threw a fit. She was purring and lowly growling like a cat. She refused to eat until unblessed food was served. After that, she always knew whether one of the nuns had tried to bless the food or drink. And the voices coming from her always complained. Jeez. Like without, Yikes. they prepared the food in another room. There's right. no way how she could she, have known. How does she know? That's creepy. So the exorcism started off with a fucking bang. Anna was placed on the mattress of the old iron bed in an unused room of the convent. She was being held down by six nuns and bound by her hands and feet. As soon as the prayers of the church were, were begun, Anna slipped into unconsciousness and remained there for the entirety of her exorcism. Oh. They so did like not days? for 23 days. Well, yeah. they did not hear from Anna for 23 days during exorcism. When they were done for the day and before they began the next day, she went back to herself. Okay. She didn't remember anything that happened during the rites of the exorcism. She would just wake up like very tired and sore and sick wow. but she didn't remember anything that happened Had when they no were clue. performing the rites wow oh my um, gosh. she it would all it should also be noted that the per the priest and witness testimony all of the voices screams and sounds that came from her during the exorcism came from her throat mm. she either had her mouth closed or open but her lips were not moving the entire time ah. of the exorcism mm. So voices came from her, but according to the witnesses, she didn't actually say anything. Oh, my So that makes me want to die. So six nuns were holding her down. Restraints are tight. Father Theo had barely begun the formula of exorcism in the name of the Blessed Trinity, in the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Ghost, the name of the crucified Savior, when all the fucking sudden, uh, what they described as lightning speed, Anna went from being flat on the bed, restrained, to halfway across the room on top of the door. No. Shut up. She like all of a sudden was on top of the door. Oh Holy bucket. She was like gripping the door with one uh, hand uh, and then she had her foot on the door and then she had her hand and her other foot on the wall. And she was just she wasn't growling. She wasn't making any sound. She was looking directly at them completely uh, no. still. Can you imagine that? It, they said it was like she was all like, yeah, I know. They said Father, that it, it was yes. like she was defying gravity. She just all of a sudden was on top of the door and just like staring Whoa. at them completely still. Oh it took five That's people to pull her down and strap her back to the bed. Once they began again, a loud, shrill scream filled the room. The noise was deafening, but at the same time sounded like it was coming from far off in the distance. Then all at once, what sounded like a pack of beasts or hyenas started to come from Anna, from her throat. Gross. It was so loud that despite the closed windows and doors, half of the neighborhood came out to find out what the fuck was going on. And their secret was not so secret anymore. Literally within the first night, half the town knew that something fucking weird was was going on at this convent. So... This part gets pretty gross. Um, If you've seen The Exorcist, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Right away, Anna 
despite literally refusing to eat or drink almost anything in 23 days, began frothing and spitting and vomiting and urinating and defecating an insane amount. Jeez. Father Theo says that this happens um, during an exorcism to try and ward off the influence of the exorcist. Like if the exorcist Mm -hmm. is also throwing up, he can't very well perform the rites of exorcism. Like if he's sick or revolted, he can't do his job. So it's to gross him out. So it's essentially to make him not do a good job or to quit give up that's what the throwing up and the shitting and everything so um at times the outpouring of vomit piss and shit would fill entire large buckets from this woman that is horrible at one point the emissions was a bowl full of matter resembling vomited macaroni Okay. Well, and at other time, having the appearance and texture of sliced and chewed tobacco leaves. I'm gonna head on out. (laughs) I can't hear another. That's all the time we have this week for keep it. No, Um, from ten to twenty times a day, she vomited. Even though the most she had taken uh, food-wise was a teaspoon of water or milk that morning, because that's she refused to eat. That's insane. Other crazy shit that was documented during this month. Um, Anna exhibited inhuman strength. Again, this girl was, she was not eating. She was vomiting 20 times a day and it would still take four to six nuns to hold her down. And they even said in the, in the pamphlet, in the like, di- this is all, by the way, this is all from the this priest, is what you can get from the, the pastors and the nuns. Yeah, this is all from this pamphlet. I didn't get any information from anywhere else. Wow. Sorry, what year was this again? This was 1928 in Iowa. Okay. So, so I was like, are any of those people still alive? Would, <sighs> barely. Maybe, maybe, maybe barely. Not. I know uh, Father Theo isn't. He died in the 70s. But I guess I they believe. were older and I was thinking, yeah. Father yeah. Theo was born in like 18 something. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. 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 They even said in the in the document that they got like some of the heftier nuns, like some of the stronger nuns. And she to, should have been so weak at this point. She should, first of all, yeah, she was like a 40-year-old woman. I didn't say how in. big she was, but like she still 40-year-old like normal sized yeah. woman. Yeah. It takes six take people six to hold her down. I'm like imagining she, these like weekend. six like petite little nuns holding <laughs> her no, These were like, buff <laughs> ass nuns. They got these their like hefty Paul nuns. Kogan nuns. They got their muscular ladies. Yep. She Good supposedly plan. levitated from her bed. Yeah. Uh, her head, this is awful, her head physically elongated and swelled at certain times. What? At one point, her lips supposedly grew to the size of her hands. Oh, my god! Her body would also expand to the point of severe bloating to where it appeared she was almost double her normal size and then retract and she'd return to normal. Okay. She exhibited signs of what the Catholic Church calls possessed gravity, essentially a pulling towards the ground. At one point, she was lying in bed and became so heavy, the bed sank and the iron bed frame was considerably bent. So she actually, like, sank through the mattress and, like, the bed frame started to bend down because she was being pulled so far. And so all of this is, like, happening over the 23 days, This all happened over 23 days, yeah, of the exorcism. And it happened as soon as they started. Did, like, anyone ever just, like, let's just take a break and, like... (laughs) They would. They would break for, like, the night. You know, they would go to bed. There was one point, I'll get to it, um, where he... they, They did it for three days straight without stopping. Oh, uh, but I'll get to that point. Anna would 
this is crazy. Anna would obviously attempt to physically assault, but she would also verbally assault the nuns and priests that were present by reciting sins they had committed in their childhoods. The priests and nuns affected all conclude there is absolutely no way she could have known. And in some cases, they themselves had even forgot about Shut them. Up. In fact, she said something super interesting at one point. Father Theo asked her why she was retelling sins from childhood and not more recent sins. And she said, we can't see those. And she and he said, why? And she said, because they've been absolved. So Whoa. essentially, she said that if a sin is confessed, the demons have no way of knowing about them, which is fucking insane. That is, is that there is actually crazy. something to the Catholic religion? Right, in like if they, sins, if they I had to do that their all sins, the same. demons, yeah. all through my youth, the demons. Yikes! Can't I better apologize for my sins. I need to yeah. go to confession. <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't even know if it's a Catholic thing because even you know the Catholics do confession, right. but you know even. Even Lutherans, ha- you you get absolved of your sins right. by There's going lots through. Of different yeah, religions yeah. It's yeah. It, you do it in every religion, whether it's through prayer or even sure. if you are say not religious at all, um, you could still be influenced by you know if if demons and angels exist, you could still be influenced by them even if you're not religious. So say not necessarily being absolved. Of your sins, but admitting that you sinned. Yeah. To being yourself. Being able to own up to it. Being right. able to own up to the sin, and... being able to apologize for sure. the sin, or being yeah. able to like realize Making it like, right with someone. Exactly. Yeah, even if it's yourself. True. Even in that case, it could be essentially that you've uh, absolved yourself right. and the demons can't hold it against you or they can't even see that it exists. Sure. That's very true. So for the rest of this, because there's a lot of talk coming from the demons, I'm going to say some stuff that is heavy on the religious side and I'm just retelling what this entity said. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that I'm like, they were demons for sure. There's no doubt right. about it, but I'm just going to kind of, cause now it's getting into like the real like demon God yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Something that's always important to an exorcism, figuring out who is in the body of right. the asking its name, right? Person. Yeah. Much like Annalise McKe- Annalise Mikkel in Germany, which was um, Exorcism of em- Emily Rose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anna was possessed by demonic entities as well as real people. There were a ton of entities that spoke and screamed and spat from her, but most of them were what Father Theo called brat demons. Mm. Very lower level demons. Didn't even have a name, just like demons. Just a brat. Yeah. But... Five main perpetrators inside of her that named themselves were Lucifer, Beelzebub, Judas, her father Jacob, and her aunt Mina. Now, all of this information comes from Anna during the exorcism, so you can take it with a grain of salt. Judas, it was revealed, was only there because his assignment was to tempt Anna into committing the unforgivable act of suicide so that they could solidify the ownership of her soul. Jacob, the girl's father, was condemned to hell because he cursed his daughter to be defiled by demons because she would not commit incest with him as a child. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. We do not know if he was successful in molesting or raping her because Anna never spoke of it. Uh, But once in hell, according to him, speaking through Anna, once in hell, the devil allowed him to enter his daughter and continue the torture of her. She never spoke of it outside of the exorcism, so they don't know if he actually was successful in molesting or raping her. That's horrible. That's so bad. 
Now, Beelzebub, I did some research on this. Actually, I was showing them this before. My mom got me this book. Um, it's the Encyclopedia of Demons and Demonology. And I looked and I this love up it. because when it was saying Lucifer and Beelzebub were in here, I always thought Beelzebub was Satan. But he's not. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I always thought he was. I thought yeah. that was another name for for Lucifer himself, mm-hmm. but it's not. Um, Beelzebub is actually the prince of demons, or at least he was at the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he stands now. Maybe he's just where like he's at. A jester. I don't know. But a jester. Um, this is actually <laughs> crazy. The Pharisees actually accused Jesus of exercising demons in Beelzebub's name because according to holy scriptures, including the Bible, the power to expel unclean spirits was actually gained through pacts with demons Hmm. so this is this is told in matthew mark and luke beelzebub claims that he causes men to worship demons arouses sexual desires in holy men and priests causes wars instigates murders and arouses jealousy so actually in the bible it basically says that jesus himself made a deal with the prince of demons beelzebub some sort of exchange was made in order to allow Jesus to be able to pull demons from people. Mm. Wow. Which is bonkers. Yeah. So Satan is allowing Beelzebub to pull. I don't know if Beelzebub was allowed to make this pact with Jesus, but, but he, he did. did it. He just did. I was I never the whole this. time we've been talking about him. I've been thinking of the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody. Beelzebub <laughs> has the devil put aside for anyway oh, Lauren <laughs> that's where I got all my information I just I've been going over the lyrics like did that song tell us anything it didn't it didn't no. it did not it even didn't. a little bit so Mina let me move this around Mina was Anna's aunt by blood but she was also her father Jacob's mistress she was condemned to hell for leading a prolonged immoral life with Jacob while his wife was still alive she had also committed child murder. Great. She supposedly killed up to four children in her lifetime. So that's enough no. uh, to get you a one-way ticket to H-E double hockey sticks, if yeah, you ask me. sure will. She was I also accused so. of witchcraft in her life. Oh. And yeah. it was um, found out after the exorcism that um, not only was she accused of witchcraft, but she tried to poison Anna at one point. Oh, wow. And I don't know if Poor it was... Poor Anna. Anna oh, had a horrible geez. life. Yeah. So my one thought on, like, her dad was, like, casting demons on her because mm-hmm. of, like, incest or whatever. But it, would it still happen if, like, it did happen to her? You know what I mean? Like, my thought is... Like, if, if he was actually successful in Right, like, if he wasn't successful, life. then, of course, the demons are on her or, or in her. Mm-hmm. But if oh, he was successful, my thought is, like, but then how did the demons get in her? Well, Unless right. it was just, like, your curse then maybe no it wouldn't what. have happened. Yeah. Um, apparently, was like a Mina bit, was accused of witchcraft during her life. She also killed four of, her, four of her children, supposedly. It was confirmed that she had killed her children. I don't know how many, but during the exorcism, she was, like... She said something about child murder and the priest was like, how many children did you murder? And she was like, three. No, four. Oh like she was God. very excited oh. about it. So to say the fourth. Disgusting. Ooh. The thing is, so I don't know if 
they cursed her like in life right. they actually like did a ceremony to like put a curse on her right it's also you know i'll talk about this later like she could have just been suffering from horrible horrible ptsd right. yeah doesn't explain a lot of the stuff that happened no but it, doesn't explain it all away but right could definitely you know. be there yeah if she was what a life raped and molested by her right. own father and her aunt and right. you know Ugh. convinced that these horrible horrible images that come into her brain all the time are demons right and not personal demons like mm-hmm. actual physical demons yep i don't know it's crazy it's something. so some things that were kind of crazy that leads me to believe that something demonic was going on. Uh, no matter what language Father Theo was speaking to her in, she understood and answered back fluent in that language. Now, again, this is Iowa in 1928. Right. It wouldn't surprise me if you told me she couldn't read and write. Yeah. So the fact that she knew German, she knew Latin, and she knew something that was called the language of the church which apparently is separate from Latin, but I don't know what it's supposed to be. I think it's just ecclesiastical Latin, which is, okay. which is Latin that's only used in the church. I mean, go Father T. He knew all those languages. Father T knew all of them. <laughs> Father T is so smart. <laughs> Father T knew all of them. What a genius. <laughs> what Father a genius. T, I bet he was handsome too. <laughs> but he was from Wisconsin, right? You said, or was yeah. that a different story? Oh, well, <laughs> he, said. he lived in Wisconsin. Oh, he was okay. a capuchin monk and he was actually from... I don't remember where he's from, but it was, he's foreign. Oh, okay. He's so he's not from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. All right. So I'm, I'm in. But he it. lives in, he lived in practice and he eventually died in Wisconsin, I believe. Okay. So not a um, full cheese head. But again, like she knew German. This was before World War II. Yeah. And this was right. the year before the Great Depression officially started. Like there's no reason she would know German. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just Latin crazy. And ecclesiastical Latin fluently this is bizarre the thing is is it was so fluent she could speak latin so well that she or whomever father theo was talking to at the time would literally cackle and berate him when he would stumble across like would he would stumble through the text and mispronounce words Mm. like if he was doing the if he was doing the exorcism for a long day and got tired and like mispronounced something she would be like oh is that how it's pronounced because i thought it was this oh my gosh that would just enrage me i know (laughs) you bastard and the thing is you have to remember this is a 40 year old this isn't you know it's not like the exorcist where it's a 12 year old girl like it's a 40 year old woman but still um as I said earlier, Anna would always know when someone had tried to bless her food or drink before they fed her, even though they would do it in the kitchen, which was nowhere near her room. Mm-hmm. They tried to trick her several times, actually. They tried to catch her in a lie. At one point, the priest wrote a prayer in Latin on a piece of paper and put it on her forehead. Anna, as well of, as, as well as all the priests and nuns in the room, were under the impression that it was a real prayer. But it turns out it was fake. It was ri- it was like a, a quote from Shakespeare. Oh. Um, <clears throat> but when he placed it on her head, she did nothing but laugh a deep laugh. <laughs> turns out it was fake. It wasn't real. Uh, when they put the real prayer on her head, and she didn't know, like I said, but when he put it on her right. head, she just laughed and laughed yeah. and laughed. When he put the real prayer on her head, her face and belly swelled up like a balloon and turned what he said red as a burning coal and yeah. father Theo had to remove it from her because he was literally afraid her body was going to burst open. Jesus. Wow. Huh. From this an actual real crazy prayer. Story. From like a tiny wow. piece of paper with a prayer written on it that was placed on her forehead. Jesus. She didn't know what it said or anything. 
Wow. At one point, this is crazy. At one point, a priest grabbed a crucifix from the church to bring in for protection. And Anna <laughs> laughed and laughed and said, I'm sorry. Since when did he die on a paper cross? If my knowledge doesn't fail me, he was nailed to a wooden cross. The crucifix was examined more closely and it was found that it was not made of wood as the priest had assumed. It was paper mache. Oh, she knew this no. from across the room. She as soon right as he away. walked in with it, she laughed and was like, I'm sorry. Smart ass. Yeah, <laughs> she was like the what shit that she sassafras. said to him was like terrifying. Dang. Like, I'm sorry, was Jesus? Uh, Excuse. Well, me? she wouldn't say Jesus's name either. Uh, the thing is, this thing like hated Jesus, which obviously right. makes sense. But I'll reasons. get to that too. Um, swarms of flies and even mosquitoes. This was December in Iowa. Swarms of flies and mosquitoes would descend upon the parish and disappear in an instant. And this is where I was going. The conversations with Judas were the most interesting. And when I mentioned to Joe that one of the demons she claimed was inside of her or one of the voices that came out of her claimed it was Judas, he was like, I don't believe that. But throughout history, some of the most prolific and like well-known exorcisms that have taken place, Judas has been... A common name. A common name. And like I said earlier, when Judas, Judas claimed that he was there to tempt her into committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, Judas is like if, if you know, there's patron saints, if there are patron demons, I've learned from this. Judas is actually basically the patron demon of suicides. Wow. So if, huh. if these, if it would make sense that if demonic possession was real, and demons actually did possess people. It would make a lot of sense for the patron state of suicide to be there as well during these demonic possessions. Yeah. Because if, according to the Catholic Church, according to, you know, a lot of religions, if you commit suicide, your soul goes to hell. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. trying to torture the soul on earth, defy yeah. God, and also take the soul to hell forever. Yeah. So it makes sense that Judas would be there during demonic possessions if you're thinking of them as a real thing. So the conversations with Judas were insane. He really, he actually sounded like he gave genuine answers and was tortured by his past. It was really interesting. Like at one point, Judas was asked what he was doing here and he answered by saying he was sent to make her commit suicide. Mm -hmm. And Father Theo asked, is it then a fact that everyone that commits suicide goes to hell? And Judas said, rather not. And Theo said, why not? And Judas answered, we devils are the ones that urge them to commit suicide, to hang themselves, just as I did myself. Theo asked him, do you not regret that you have committed such a despicable deed? To which Judas responded by cursing and said and saying, let me alone. Don't bother me with your fake God. It was my own fault. And then quit talking. Mm. So... Judas was essentially saying that it's not necessarily true that everyone that commits suicide goes to hell because the demons themselves occasionally push the person into doing it and therefore it's not their fault. Yeah. He hated Jesus. At one point, he made fun of another cross they presented to him and said, were not the feet of Jesus nailed one on top of one another and not aside from one another? And this is an argument that's been had for years and years and years and years throughout all religions, whether or not when Jesus was crucified, his feet hung like this or they were crossed over each other right. or they were right over left or left over right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a whole such thing. It's a big thing. But Judas, in this instance, claimed that 
they were crossed and not side by side. At one point, Judas said to Father Theo, it would have been better if the man had never been born, referring to Jesus, which is something interesting because Jesus said that about Judas in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was interesting that mm-hmm. at, during this exorcism, Judas said the exact same thing about right. Jesus. Anyways, so Pastor Mm. Joseph had a pretty shitty times ahead, too. He started to hate Father Theo. Uh, Pastor Joseph is the one. This was his parish. He started to, like, resent him and hate him. He started having horrible feelings towards him. Um, He finally told Father Theo how he felt, and Father T didn't even bat an eye. Um, He did tell him if he's feeling these things to be careful because... He didn't bat an eye because he knew he's performed X amount of exorcisms before. He knew that this was something was working against him to make him want them to stop the rite of exorcism to leave the parish. So he wasn't surprised at all. And he said, if this is working towards you, if you're starting to hate me, you need to watch your back Mm -hmm. because something's working on you. The pastor then one day very soon after this conversation had to go give the blessed sacrament to an older dying man on the edge of town. And afterwards, when he was on the road again, a road he's traveled a billion times uh, and he was driving super carefully because his car was brand new and because the last week and a half was fucking terrifying in every way and his life had been threatened. He said he prayed to his guardian angel and to St. Joseph, his patron saint, the whole way home. He said a dark cloud appeared before him It came just as he was about to pass a bridge over a deep ravine. The dark fog was so thick, he said it was like wearing a blindfold. He ended up going off the road and crashed into the railing of the bridge. He said his car accelerated right before the impact, too. Oh, gosh. Apparently, when he got back to the parish, no one had been told about the automobile accident. (laughs) He heard laughing, laughing, laughing from Anna's room. And Anna asked him when he entered, how about your new auto? It serves you right. No. She knew before anyone else Before anyone had even said it. Pastor Theo turned around and asked, is this true? And Pastor Joseph said, yes, it's true. My car is a complete wreck. But I was not harmed personally, to which the devil quickly replied, our plans were thwarted. Oh, so the fact that he was, can you imagine hearing that? The fact that he was praying to his guardian angel the whole way home, like his, our plans were thwarted as in they were, we weren't able to do it because you were praying successfully kill you. Multiple times after this, the devil gleefully reminded the pastor several times of the car accident and warned him to be ready for a whole lot more fun. So great. The pastor, the nuns, and Father Theo were all tormented even when they weren't performing the rites. They claimed they were kept up at all hours of the night by scratching sounds. At first, they thought there was a rodent infestation. Um, The scratching came from all over inside the walls and kept them up or woke them up at all hours of the night. Pounding on the walls did nothing. Most of the time, it made the sounds worse. They claimed the only thing that would stop the scratching sound was prayer. How do you even sleep at night? It'd be like, ugh, no. I would be able I think to get they no were just rest so with this going right. that they would I just guess. pass out. Ugh. Apparently, um, Father Theo was described as having aged 20 years and three weeks. At one point, I he bet. went, this is what I was talking about earlier, he went for three days straight without stopping. When they finally ended, Father Theo collapsed, exhausted, and Anna just laughed. <laughs> she was fine. My gosh. Um, the wow. last thing. I want to talk about in terms of this exorcism is something some of the interesting things that she had to say about the end times. 
According to the devil, I'm referring to her as the devil at this point because yep, Anna's right. not there anymore. Right. Whoever is is not her. Whoever right. has taken um, over. So according to the devil, the first coming of the Antichrist was already born and was in Palestine. He said that he is still young and must first grow up to be incognito before his power can become known. But there was no further explanation of what the first coming of the Antichrist meant. As in like there's multiple incarnations. There's going to be multiples Hmm. of this? Yeah. Um, But there was talk at one point of a false prophet that will arise who in reality will be Lucifer himself. And will perform miracles and tremendous feats of healing. He will have the answer to all of our problems and will be worshipped almost as a god. This would be during the same time the Antichrist, one of the incarnations of the Antichrist, will be present on earth. The devil also stated the beginning of the end would happen in 2001. Well. That hmm. the 20th century would be the last century written in history books. The fact that the exact quote was something like, how can you banish me to hell? We have far too much work to prepare the way for the Antichrist. We know a lot. We read the sign of the times. This is the last century when people will write the year 2001. The end will be at hand. Interesting. They also That's mentioned creepy. a mess in Mexico um, that was either past, present, or future. They took credit for the mess in Mexico, but they never said. What they said was. we created the mess in Mexico, um, hmm. and they said you know it should be a lot of fun for him talking about God. Right. Okay. What's that about? Reading this, I could see why people get crazy biblical conspiracy theories every three or four years because listening to this report from 1928, so we've got a supposed demon saying that the end of time, the end of the end, basically, will begin in 2001, which right. was 9-11, mm-hmm. um, which was basically the begin. It began the rise to the peak of intolerance for other religions and other in general with mm-hmm. our hatred for like yeah. our blind hatred, hatred for, for the Muslims. unknown. Like, right. Different. Yeah. right. I know. That's very true. Then we've got a man who is a false prophet promising to answer all of our problems and being worshipped almost as a god. Think about how Trump is treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he is worshipped. He like literally a god. said I could shoot someone in the street and still be elected president. Yeah. And he that's one hundred percent true. He's he treated so. like he's untouchable because he is untouchable. Yeah. So the people that Somehow. love him oh, I still love don't understand, him. but that's another topic. That's another yeah. topic, yeah. <laughs> For another day. And we're reminded that nothing he does will be bad enough to cause like him getting kicked out of office. Yep. He continuously right. does things that are mm-hmm. impeachable and he won't get impeached. Yeah. And then you've got a mess in Mexico and the devils and demons supposedly orchestrated this mess in Mexico. And that's all they said about it, really, is that they created right. this that's mess in I'm Mexico. Most curious about. But the thing is, is it could have Drug been about. Yeah. yeah, it could have been about the assassination, assassination of Pancho Villa in 1923, which mm. was five mm-hmm. years earlier. True. Or it could have been about 1985 when 10,000 people were killed during the earthquake in Mexico City. Or it could have like gone way in the past in 1846 the mexican-american war like we don't know we don't know or it could be talking about right now with drug cartels and the murdered women in juarez and the border border situation like what is the mess this is starting to freak me out it's a little fucking scary yeah it is and the fact that they said feels Feels a little on the nose i don't like it yeah. So yeah, I can see totally how someone could read this and be like, "Well, is it? 
Yep. This, this the is end. the end this of time. What they I was about. feeling totally fine because I was like, all these things are in the past. But now that you've connected to the yeah. present, connected they were, to the they actual were present, everything. So finally, the devil started to wane. After 23 days, the demons started to beg to be left alone. Instead of, you know, instead of cursing and spitting, they were moaning in agony. And on December 23rd, 1928, about 9 p.m., after around seven hours straight with a rite of exorcism, Anna, with a sudden jerk, broke free of her restraints and the men and women holding her down uh, and stood erect before them. Only her heels were touching the bed and fucking barely, according to the people that were in the room. There were eight people in the room at the time. They literally thought she was going to shoot up through the ceiling. Like, they grabbed onto her clothes as she, like, shot up. Because they thought she was just going to, like, pew! Go like, right up into the sky. Yeah. But instead, they all pulled on her to try to get her to lay back down. Father Leo, or Father Theo, I'm sorry. Father Theo yelled, Depart ye fiends of hell, begone Satan, the Lion of Judah reigns. At that moment, her body gave way and she fell upon the bed. And then a piercing scream filled the room. And voices saying, Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina could be heard over and over until they faded away. Anna laid so peacefully they actually thought she died. But she eventually woke up and smiled and cried and thanked everyone there. But all the windows and doors had to be open and the witnesses had to leave because of the absolutely horrible odor that filled the entire convent. I'm sure. Every single nun left the parish that year. I would leave all of in a them. Wow. Yeah. They all yeah. left. How do you continue? They all on relocated. I think that this is a sad story, regardless um, whether it was a true demonic possession or a woman who is sexually and physically abused so badly that even after the death of her abusers, um, she was still tormented by yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And you think about you think about a, the way adrenaline works. You think about PTSD. Obviously, like the voices coming from her throat and like the weird, like the way that she knew about like the nuns and the priests sins from their childhood, like all that's insane. But just the physical stuff, you think about the like when your child's trapped under a car and you're able to lift an entire car, like if she's literally having these PTSD episodes and her adrenaline's running, she could technically overpower possibly six nuns. Yeah, it's not impossible to dream up that this is all a result of, you know, things that are going on with her mentally. I just think we still have a few unexplained, very mysterious things where you're like, I don't know if this is fully her PTSD. Knowing different languages, sure. She could have learned, I guess. She she could have learned different languages. But like, but they claim she so levitated many, yeah. the amount of vomit and shit yeah, and piss coming out that of her came body out of her and body. how that should have weakened her body a lot. Even with adrenaline, you would be so weak. I after gave letting like all that five vials of blood today and I <laughs> couldn't do shit for three Even hours. Even the time she was like up against the door. Like, yeah. How did she get over there so fast? How did she know about everyone's life? It's the, there's just. Yeah, those crazy things. And the thing is, this account could be totally fabricated, but... But there's several people talking about it. Why why would it be fabricated? Why would they make this up? They're not getting anything out of it. for anyone. There was no no time. fame and fortune. Yeah, this wasn't a time in our history where people were running from God. People were running towards God, if anything. There was no reason to try and make people... To try and force people to believe in God again. Yeah. It's not like this now. This was not needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this wasn't necessary. This it. was right, like I said, this was right before the Great Depression. People were believe. People were 
going to God for everything. The so, only silver lining is like I, I'm like, oh, good always trumps evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I want to believe even if it does take you 23 days. Even so, yeah. if it takes so you 23, 23 days. Well, the thing is, days. 23 days of exorcism. She'd been possessed since she was 14 years old. She was 40. Right. That's and true. And they had tried one other exorcism long. before. So they succeeded. Apparently, they had a successful exorcism when she was 14, and then it came back. Okay, and when she was 14, her father and mina were still alive oh okay i didn't couldn't find any information on that but yeah the um the pamphlet is actually called begone satan by reverend celestine kapsner and like i said there's a foreword um by a phd um named virgil mckell there's a letter from dr john dundon who is a surgeon who starts by saying, we wish to endorse your pamphlet as a a potent aid to faith in the value of sacramentals, relics of the saints, and prayer. Basically, they they tried to help her, and no doctors could. And this was like the top surgeon. Yeah, and and then it immediately goes into like what happened. A sensational expulsion of the devil, which occurred in Iowa in 1928. Well, good Lord. That's a it's crazy pretty crazy. Story. That is a yeah. bonkers story in, in Iowa. Iowa. In Iowa, <laughs> I love that. Wait, what was the town again? It. Ever Erling. Er- Erling. Erling. Like early, but like Erling Iowa. Of it's I-N-G. Okay, because I was like, I know of an early Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Erling. 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 I'll have to look it up. I was gonna say I don't know where my phone is because I was gonna look it up too. I actually Here, didn't even look, look it up. up. Look up Erling, Iowa. Because you know how some towns like change their name? Because one of the things, the thing is, is like, you know, I've been talking for like 45, 50 minutes. Like I've been talking a long time about this. So I didn't want to go further into this. I didn't research, say, like, what is the convent now? Yeah. What is it today? Is it still a convent? Is it still a church? Is it something else that we can go visit? Yeah. Is Is there, there, is, yeah. Is anything lingering there? Is anything Could it be an abandoned building just sitting there now? Right, but like you know, has anyone had any strange experiences there after this happened? Right. Like the church or the the I'm sorry, the hospital in St. Louis with um again the unnamed boy that yeah. the movie The Exorcist is based off of. They had weird shit happening there to this day, even though the building is torn down where it happened. They still have weird shit happening there. So like, you know, there has to be weird shit going on in this. Right. Area. So what is, is there? it an empty field? Did you so, find yeah, it? It's it's like southwest Iowa. OK. Is it tiny? Is it a tiny little town? It is. Let me see. Teensy tiny. Oh, weird. Because it says Erling, but then it says West. Australia, Iowa. So maybe they did. They probably maybe changed they their name. Change the name. The population was 437 at the 2010 census. Ooh, oh wow! My God, booming. Talk about small. That's crazy. Let me see it. It did seem like when I was reading this account, it did seem like the town was basically made up of the convent. Yeah, it's like there just... were people that lived there. It was almost like um, what was that documentary, Wild Wild Country? Yeah. It was oh, almost yeah. like that town in Oregon where it was like, there's the cult and then there's like 50 other people And then there's a somewhere. couple other folks hanging <laughs> around here. Yeah, it's like the convent like and then a the few church, houses over to the right. And then there's like, there's some people in town. There's George over there. Anyways. 
So that that happened in Iowa. That's pretty much all the time we have this week. Yeah, damn. For keep it weird. I'm, Iowa was such a so surprise. Crazy. Who Had knew? A whole lot of creepy shit going on. Corn and I mean, spooks. It's like creepy, creepy corn shit and in spooks. Small towns, you know, just like. True. I never used to be afraid growing up on a farm. Mm-hmm. And now when I go home, I feel like maybe just moving to a big city, you're like more aware of like everything. Well, jo- but now when yeah. I drive home, I'm like, who's going to pop out of the cornfield? Yeah. <laughs> I think that terrifying. too in Illinois, I don't yeah. like the big Like openness. I'm all alone on a like, gravel road. Yeah. Like That's what I used to love about my hometown murdered. was how quiet and peaceful it was. Now that's what scares the shit out of me. I'm like, I know. I Which like is funny because sometimes I'm more scared in the dark alone on a gravel road driving home than I am and walking in the streets of LA. I'm 100% more scared because the thing is if I get attacked out on the road that my parents live on or at my parents' house, no one's going to hear me scream. Nope. It's no so one's going to call for help. It's no one is going to call 911. And Joe actually talked about that. I don't know if you listened to Joe's last mini-sode. We talked about all of the ghost stories we just had in our last listener ghost story episodes. And he talked about how he's lived in New York City. He's lived in Los Angeles. He's lived in Boston. Mm-hmm. And this the most scared he's ever been is in the smallest town. Yeah. There's just something about it. And the thing is, is like, I, yeah, I was always comfortable growing up and then I moved to a city. Yeah, maybe. But like now when I go home, I have to have a nightlight. I have to have like sleep (laughs) sounds. The exact same way. It's just something that feels off about it. It's so quiet. Like, because my parents would like leave me home alone on the farm. And like now I'm like, I'm not staying there. But where are you going? Where are you going? (laughs) Take me with you. Can I go on your errands? 30 years old and I'm like, take me with you. (laughs) Well, we're more aware. We're more cautious now. Interested in being we've, here by myself. We've seen the strangers. That was an isolated house. We know how these things true. end. Very true. Well, thanks for learning about Iowa, guys. Thanks yeah. for yeah. getting it's, us to learn about Iowa. I yeah, remember when exciting. she was like, we're going to do Hometown Haunts, Iowa. I was like, all nah, right. <laughs> You're like, I'm not interested. No, okay, I definitely, fine. I had no idea. Like I said before, I read about three, I told three very short stories about hauntings in Iowa. There are so many. The list went on and on when yeah. I was scrolling through the internet. Like there, there are some weird sightings going around that state. Not a lot of monsters though. Yeah, a lot of sadly, demons. Sadly, no cryptids. <laughs> demons, lot, lot ghosts, and some murderers. Mm-hmm. That's what we got. And mm-hmm. some murders. Murders. Anyways. Yep. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on again. Thanks for Thanks, having me. Loved having you. So Great to have you back. We call. We have a friend named Meredith, and she's Carrie. So we have Care Bear and Mare Bear. Yep. Just had well, to throw that's that the cutest thing I've ever <laughs> yep. heard in my entire fucking life. Um, <laughs> Care Bear signing off from, from Iowa. <laughs> donde Iowa? The donde Iowa? <laughs> you and the one-liners tonight. You're nailing it. <laughs> This is obviously going to be called They Don't They Iowa, it's, right? Yeah, I was oh, like, please. we don't even have to Just talk about sure. the title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Hometown Haunts, They Don't They, they don't Iowa. They Iowa. <laughs> the uh, most okay. Spanish-speaking state in the country, <laughs> I think. Just kidding. Yeah, that was no. a joke. And Carrie started well, to think no. about it. Well, was no, because like, no. I was like, I know Spanish, so. Yeah, but <laughs> you didn't Spanish. you study abroad? I did, yeah. <laughs> I know Spanish, but I did spend years in Spain, so maybe it wasn't so there's because that. of Iowa <laughs> no. necessarily. No, that's anyway. Okay. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, uh, weirdos, for listening to our show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weird Cast and our Facebook page Keep It Weird. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com 
slash keep it weird podcast to find ways you can donate to the show and get a bi-weekly newsletter as well as a mini sewed with handsome joe after each topic that we cover on keep it weird what else it have a good life <laughs> um our a, next good, episode here's life. the thing we have a ton of recordings coming up they're all kind of out of order we have no yeah. idea what our next episode is going to be but pretty soon we're going to be covering some urban legends some spooky urban legends across the country we're going to be covering some mysterious like unsolved mysteries we're going to be talking be about doing child killers child murderers we have a ton of shit coming up so if you have any questions comments concerns uh send topics them send them in keep it weirder at gmail.com pretty please pretty please carrie what's our sign off this week oh oh um, should have remembered this from last Lest time we i know forget. i'm so sorry <laughs> keep it weird weirdos and We'll see you soon. <laughs> I feel like that was the most Iowa sign-off yeah. ever. Like a well, cute Midwestern girl. Yeah. Like, well, Come back and see, see you us. soon. Come yeah. back and see. Have a great day. Have a really <laughs> nice day. The Midwestern heart um, on this girl. You know, like, I come tell visit you. us in Iowa sometime. Yeah, come. We're not all bad. We ain't all bad. <laughs> no. Come yeah, you did not us. paint a really pretty picture of Iowa today. Let me oh. tell you. Did not. But it's fine. Later, Gators. Do. Later, Gators. <laughs> no, that's it. That's there the it sign up. There it is. Later, Later Gators. Gators. Later, keep Gators. Keep it weird. <laughs> and keep it weird. Do you like your history haunted? Then you'll love Macabre London, a podcast hosted by me, Nikki Drews. Every fortnight we uncover one of the forgotten stories of London's bloody past and get to the bottom of some more well-known gruesome tales. We've covered witchcraft in the form of the last witch trial held in World War II, found out what it was like to be a hangman in the Victorian times, and even dipped our toe into the paranormal by uncovering what really happened at the infamous Enfield haunting. So if you're interested in learning the gory, spooky and eerie history of the UK's capital city, then check out the show. You can find us on the Apple Podcasts app, Acast, and all other podcast providers by searching for Macabre London. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E London.